This is Weekly Signals Interviews, broadcasting every Tuesday morning, 8 to 9, Pacific Time on KUCI 88.9 FM, Irvine, California, on the web at KUCI.org. I'm Nathan Callahan. And I'm Mike Kaspar. In his new book, The Man Who Sold the World, Ronald Reagan and the Betrayal of Main Street America, our guest today, William Kleineck, examines the real legacy of the Gipper, the dismantling of an eight-decade period of reform in which working people were given an unprecedented, unprecedented sway over our politics, our economy, and our culture. Reagan halted this almost overnight. Kleineck is a veteran crime correspondent for the Newark Star-Ledger, the winner of awards from the Associated Press and the American Society of Professional Journalists, he's contributed to an American Journalism Review, National Law Journal, and the Boston Phoenix. William Kleineck, welcome to Weekly Signals. William Kleineck, are you there? Yes. Oh, welcome to Weekly Signals. Thank you for having me. How are you doing today? Very well, thank you. Real good. Uh, where are we reaching you? In uh, New York? Uh, New, New Jersey. Very good. How, have you been there for uh, how much of your life? Uh, just about my entire life. Oh, really? Spent nice. Well, I spent a few years in Detroit and a few years in Boston, but uh, otherwise I've been in this area. So you've done most of your crime reporting out of uh, New Jersey? Crime and politics and the environment, uh, all, all kinds of things. Yeah, but most of the crime reporting was in New, New York and New Jersey. Now, did you find any of your crime reporting helped you uh, compile this book about Ronald Reagan? Well, it certainly... Uh, you know, my experience as an investigative reporter certainly uh, helped me unearth uh, information that was useful for this book. Mm-hmm. Now, now, what would you consider the the uh, the, the greatest crime that uh, Ronald Reagan committed against his country? And I use the word crime facetiously, but what did he do uh, that that bothers you the most? Well, I think the the most negative aspect of his legacy. There's actually quite a number of things, but probably the the policies he, he enacted that undermined all of the gains that uh, the working class and the poor and the middle class had made in the uh, preceding several decades. Uh, the, the, you know, the, he, he reversed a period in which there had been a great deal of... Uh, um, Income equality. There had been all kinds of programs designed to to promote education and assist the poor, house the poor, health care, uh, the legacy of the Great Society, which actually actually is an enormous legacy. But uh, the Reagan Revolution portrayed it as a as a failure and mocked it, and that has become pretty much received wisdom that the Great Society was a failure. But it's a it's a myth, and I think that's probably the the greatest. Uh, crime, if you will, that the uh, Reagan administration committed. Is it fair to say that that uh, the Republicans or the conservative uh, uh, conservatives in the country had since the day FDR died been trying to kill the New Deal and that Reagan was probably the uh, the most destructive president in that regard in terms of undermining and essentially trashing the New Deal? I don't think that the, the Republicans that a earlier generation of, of of Republicans was attempting to kill the New Deal. There probably were some elements in the Republican Party that 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 was interested in doing that, and cer- certainly uh, you know the McCarthy wing. Uh, but if, if you look at Richard Nixon, he he expanded housing programs. He boasted of how many people he was adding to the food stamp rolls. Uh, Eisenhower wasn't really making a serious effort to undermine the New Deal 
programs because it was just accepted as part of the fabric of the country. Uh, it was it was uh, the Reagan Reagan era that changed all that. And why is it? Why did Reagan uh, did Reagan attract these people, or was Reagan attracted to these people? I'm talking about the the ones who actually were responsible for so much of this, like the uh, the Dick Cheney's, the Rumsfeld's, the uh, well, the list goes on. Uh, William Casey. Who who attracted who? How did how did that sort of dance uh, take place? Well, Reagan was the, the the first president in certainly in the modern era that came into the White House as as the leader of a movement. He he was the leader of a conservative m- movement, and his wing of the conservative movement, the the people that were funding him and and promoting him, were uh, sunbelt entrepreneurs. Uh, they were a different breed of businessman than the than the uh, fortune 500 companies uh, most of whom had had made their peace with the regulatory state and uh, initially treated Reagan with with suspicion in the in the um, primary campaign in 1980 Wall Street and the fortune 500 companies for the most part supported George Bush the elder and uh, former um, Texas governor John Conley but once Reagan got into the White House he pulled and and in the uh, general election campaign, he pulled together a coalition that it did include the United States Chamber of Commerce. It included Wall Street people, and I think what we see, what became the Reagan Revolution, was really a pastiche of different kinds of elements. And I think uh, some of the most important parts of his legacy were put into place by uh, Donald Reagan, who who came directly from Wall Street. He was the chairman of Merrill Lynch. Um, and so, in that sense, that element of conservatism, uh, business interests, an alliance was formed between those traditional Republican interests and the new breed of businessmen on the West Coast and in the South. And he, and he was also able to use, or at least use as a veneer of moral kind of moral clarity, uh, the uh, the sort of religious, uh, the Christian evangelical movement. So he had this Wall Street dom- dominant Wall Street mentality in his administration, but he also brought in the uh, the Christian coalition, the Pat Robertsons of the world, in order to give his this some. Is that I mean, would that be a fair statement? Sure. To me? Yeah, I think that that was part of the uh, that was part of the genius of the Reagan revolution that they used wedge issues like abortion, school prayer. Uh, uh, the, the right to carry arms, race, the war on drugs. The, these are all issues that were wedge issues that were designed to attract people to their coalition and in, inflame the voters, while while I, I believe their most important work and, and the, the work that mattered most to the people in Reagan's administration was the deregulation and the, the empowerment of corporate America. But they couldn't have achieved that uh, without these wedge issues and without attracting that uh, the social conservatives to their revolution. Uh, if you look at Reagan's first campaign stop was in uh, was to talk about states' rights in uh, Pittsburgh. in Pittsburgh in um, Philadelphia, Mississippi. Oh, sorry. Yeah, sorry. Philadelphia, Mississippi, where three civil rights workers had been murdered in the 60s. There was, it was no accident that he chose that place to talk about states' rights. That sent a strong message to conservative Southern voters, uh, um, but that really had very little to do with what the Reagan administration was really about. It was just to attract people to the co- coalition.
Was it, was that the work, uh, the sort of the political work of the Mike Devers and the Lynn Nossingers and all those people? Was that their idea? Or did I'm just trying to what I try to whenever I talk about Reagan, whenever I hear about Reagan, there's so much you hear about you know his disconnect, his sort of a. Uh, the, the avuncular uncle who kind of had these these people sort of gathered around him, and I'm always fascinated or want to know exactly who was the dynamic uh, party in this relationship, or th- these people who, who saw him Cheney? as a vehicle, or yeah, or or was it Reagan who himself felt th- that this was this were the proper policies that he should pursue? Well, Re- Reagan had a uh, a very broad vision of what he wanted to achieve, and it was simply that he wanted government to have less role in the lives of America. He wanted lower taxes. He wanted a strong defense, and he wanted uh, uh, to uh, to empower law, law, law enforcement. But beyond that, uh, he, he, he didn't get into the minutia of his policies. He left that up to others. And uh, as far as the, Mike Deaver, he was, the, he was the, the genius at stagecraft. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, his job was to make the president look good. He would come up with a a um, theme of the day, so something that, that they could feed the press so the press wouldn't go off uh, cr- creating their own issues. Uh, uh, he was the genius image maker. Um, so it's interesting, some of the um, the wedge issues that I referred to were the work of Lee Atwater, who really came to prominence during the first Bush administration, and that's when the term wedge issue became popular with the Willie Horton ad and everything, but he was at work in the Reagan administration. So right. was Carl Carl Rove, as was <laughs> as was Roger Ailes. Yes, exactly. So, and these were people who knew how to fashion, knew how to fashion a digestible soundbite or an idea that they fed to the press, and the press obviously didn't go much beyond that, beyond the the headline. Right. Uh, they they did uh, t- the, the press to some degree. Uh, dug into the real meaning of the Reagan administration why, while he was in the White House, but it has just been uh, horrible at, at uh, assessing his real legacy uh, mm-hmm. since then. But maybe I'm getting ahead of us here. Now, um, yeah. Is it fair to characterize these people as geniuses? I, I always have trouble with that word. I, I, I think of them as snake oil salesmen. It's, it's easy to take advantage of, of, of uh, and I don't mean to use the word common folk, but it's, it is easy to take advantage of people who aren't focused on the agendas and the, the uh, financial equations and the, and the foreign policies that you are. Uh, and to call uh, someone like Karl Rove or, or uh, Deaver a genius, I, I think is, is uh, an insult to geniuses everywhere. <laughs> uh, it's, it's just that there's, there's something about these people that uh, they're, they're nearly sociopaths in that they don't care about what happens to to this to the social fabric of things they care about their own self-interest am i am i way off on that uh, no i think you're you you're hit the nail on the head because it's not so much that as you say what they did was so, what set them apart was not their knowledge and intelligence it was what set them apart was how low they were willing to stoop yes to to, to achieve their their aims if you think about it um it's it's much harder to convince Americans to give up some of their tax dollars to fund programs for the poor and housing. It's a lot easier to tell them just think about yourself. I mean, it's much easier to whip up a mob than to calm a mob. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. yeah, we're speaking with William Kleinite. The uh, book is the man uh, Klein Neck. I'm sorry about that. The book is. The man who sold the world, Ronald Reagan, and the betrayal of Main Street America. Now. Uh, 
you mentioned this, the deregulation uh, and, and the economic policies of Ronald Reagan. Can we draw a straight line from uh, 1980 to where we are today as far as our economy goes? Yes. Um, uh, early in the Reagan administration, in April 1981, Donald Reagan, his first Treasury Secretary, as I said, who had been the chairman of Merrill Lynch and got his job by raising a lot of money for uh, Ronald Reagan on, on Wall Street. He was one of the few Wall Street people who was backing Reagan from the start. He went before the Senate Banking Co- Committee and laid out a detailed blueprint for the near total deregulation of the financial uh, in- industry. He, he told the senators that uh, he envisioned a future where all barriers between investment banking, commercial banking, securities, and insurance would be knocked down. And he was talking about the, cl- the repeal of the Glass-Steagall Act. And he wanted to see fu- any financial institution allowed to make any kind of loan it wanted at any interest rate without regulation from the government. Uh, what followed was legislation and action by Reagan's appointees on the Federal Reserve Bank that allowed uh, exotic loans like adjustable rate mortgages, interest-only mortgages, balloon payments, and also uh, enabled uh, financial institutions to move financial institutions to move forcefully into mortgage-backed securities. And we know that they are these types of loans and the, and the bundling of, of mortgages into, into securities is what produced the uh, subprime mortgage scandal. It could not have happened without the uh, the forces that the Reagan administration set in motion in terms of deregulation of the financial sector. I'm also going to throw in some. Uh, I'm going to, well, I'm, let's take a walk down the, the hit parade hit parade lane here with Reagan. Uh, these these uh, policies that you just described are also uh, responsible for uh, the savings and loan disaster, yes. which occurred essentially as he was leaving office, and how and and as George Bush the, the first was coming into office which led to, by some accounts, hundreds of billions, if not a half a trillion dollars. One point eight or a half a trillion dollars just essentially evaporated from the economy as a result of these insane uh, practices by these savings alone. Very much a kind of a uh, foreshadowing of what we, we have today. Yes. Uh, we, we had the Laffer curve. Don't forget that. Remember, remember yes. the, the, the famed Arthur Laffer who came up with this crazy idea that you could, if you slash the, the, the taxes on the rich, everybody will make out because it's a trickle-down economy that right. we live in. We now know the, the insanity of, of that particular uh, uh, policy. It failed. It failed. We it failed ended miserably. up with record-breaking deficits instead of the surplus that they promised. Uh, and, 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 just, uh, and then his... Uh, his attempts to essentially destroy organized labor in this country signaled by one of his first acts in office, which was to uh, to uh, go after PATCO, which was the air traffic controllers uh, strike. Yes. Uh, so, I mean, we're, we're looking at things that were done to average Americans here who, for whatever reason, and maybe, you know, this is the great accomplishment of the Reagan administration, despite their policies, they seem to have come out of it from an historic perspective, at least the mainstream media accepts, as this great triumph uh, on the part of the Reagan administration. Do you think that's changing? Do you think the perception of the Reagan administration was this great triumph has somehow been affected by the, the current economy? I think people are catching on. Uh, you know, they, they certainly are aware that, I think the average person is certainly aware that deregulation uh, is, is responsible for, for this. And I, and I think a lot of people remember where deregulation started. And uh, Reagan is still rated very highly in polls as as 
as some some polls show him the most popular former president. But I think it's percolating there, and I'll tell you why. I was on a radio program yesterday, and they were, it, it were getting call-ins from Mississippi, three from Texas, places like that, and uh, these people were all angry at Ronald Reagan, and these were just regular folks. And um, uh, I think there is some, I think it is dawning on Americans that Reaganism was not right for this country, and it is responsible for a lot of our problems. Yeah, And I also left out a couple of other things. This sort of corporate merger frenzy started during the uh, Reagan administration, as well as restructuring of the IMF and the World Bank in order to really skew the whole system towards first-world countries as opposed to its original mission, which was to help out second- and third-world countries. So the, 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 he completely changed the dynamic in, in our economy and, as a result, the, uh, the world economy, and to, to much to uh, the detriment of the rest of the world. And although NAFTA was not signed during the Reagan administration, it, it's the Reagan administration that began the, the, the movement toward this uh, North American free, free Trade Agreement. Right. Now, he's also responsible for appointing, at the end of his term, Alan Greenspan. Yeah. Uh, it's, can you talk a little bit about that and, and, and what you think of Mr. Greenspan as far as uh, things have developed? Well, I think, I think quite obviously Greenspan, who was once hailed as a hero and called the maestro, and he's looking very bad in this because he did not... Uh, he, 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 in, in promoting low interest rates, he was promoting the... the Bubble in both in in this in 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 the stock market and then in real estate and he was all for adjustable rate uh, mortgages he he resisted attempts uh, people said this 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 shadow mortgage lending system that's emerging that is completely unregulated he resisted attempts to regulate it and he now admits he has come right out and said that his faith in the free market was misguided and that's that's an enormous it's a huge admission isn't admission it? he's 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 uh, reputing a repudiating his his um his mentor Ann rand he's repudiating milton friedman he's repudiating adam smith he's repudiating ronald reagan uh wow. um and uh so i think that's i think that was a huge story when he admitted that his faith in the free market was misguided um Reagan did appoint him, and uh, in the Clinton administration, Greenspan even had greater entree to the White House than he did in the Reagan years. Yeah, let's not let Bill Clinton and some of the other administrations off the hook. But, uh, uh, Alan Greenspan walked on water as far as these people were concerned, and, and we now see the consequences of it. As did Robert Rubin. And Robert, right. I, I also, there's so many other things, and unfortunately just not enough time to essentially go through all of them, but I want to touch on them, and that is foreign policy decisions that were made by him. We cannot forget about Iran-Contra or the war in Nicaragua and El Salvador, the hundreds of thousands of people who perished in, in that misguided uh, foreign policy uh, decision. Um, the, uh, the, the arms race, Star Wars, crazy military spending, I mean off-the-chart military spending. Um, trillion, trillion dollar defense buildup. Trillion dollar defense budget buildup against an enemy that was collapsing, and, and, and they knew that. Um, gosh, I mean, uh, the embrace of, of apartheid, um, the environmental devastation, I mean, the uh, slashing of environmental regulations. Yeah. Now, I would, I would have called um, Bush the least patriotic president in American history, but, but you're quoted as saying that, uh, that Ronald Reagan 
uh, was the least patriotic president in American history. Uh, tell me why why you said that. Why why do you put him even in in the patriotism bracket as a least? Well, because uh, he his administration fostered an environment where where multinational corporations no longer had any allegiance to the country at all. They were perfectly happy to to promote the movement of companies overseas, the loss of jobs. Uh, he, he undermined uh, the gains that, that working people had made, and working people, as he would say himself, were the, were the backbone of this country. So if you're, if you're undermining the average citizen of this country and you're, you're, you're promoting policies that, that help its wealth move overseas, it's, in some degree, it's somewhat treasonous, I think. Now, before we let you go, I, I have just one more question. How, what do you think about uh, the way the Obama administration is handling things right now? Do you think there's think we're going to be able to uh, reverse some of the uh, devastation that was initiated by uh, Ronald Reagan? Well, he's certainly moving in the right direction with the re-regulation of the financial, or at least his promises to re-regulate the financial sector, to spend on education, infrastructure, infrastructure and public works. I'm concerned that uh, that... The stimulus package is not nearly large enough no. to, to turn around the uh, the economy. It's, it's too much, too laden with with tax cuts. They're a very inefficient way to, to pump money into the economy. And I'm also concerned about all the, the promises he's making to to get spending under control within a couple of years, to reduce the deficit. And I wonder if that deficit reduction will be tax cuts on hedge. I mean tax increases for hedge fund managers the way they should be, or if he's talking about cutting programs and undermining what he's supposedly doing. Well, very good. The book is The Man Who Sold the World, Ronald Reagan and the Betrayal of Main Street America. William Kleineck, thanks for being on Weekly Signals. And thank you for having me. I enjoyed it. To learn more about Weekly Signals interviews, including upcoming guests, or to download the podcast, visit our website at weeklysignals.com. And be sure to visit nathancallahan.com for daily readings and feature articles. Until next week, I'm Nathan Callahan. And I'm Mike Kaspar. And this is Weekly Signals.